Isn't that awesome, church? It's been a long time coming. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial support. And I just want to keep saying this over and over and over again. Our vision here at Grace Bible Church is to have a church in every single zip code in Laredo, Texas. Our vision is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in every community here in Laredo, Texas, and hopefully beyond. This campus is going to remain open. God willing, this new building that you just saw will be done in January, maybe early February. We are going to move the English-speaking service to that new building, and this building here will be primarily for Spanish. This building here is 100% paid for, zero debt. The property of 6.1 acres at the new building, the new campus of San Isidro, is paid for 100%, zero debt. We're going into this new building. Yeah, we got to celebrate that. And the reason for that is God is a God of provision, and you guys have been providing faithfully with your resources. We want to go into this new building with as little as debt possible. We did borrow some money, $3.1 million. That is not the whole cost of this project, but you guys continue to faithfully give to the building budget, and that debt or that loan that we applied for is getting lower and lower and lower. Thank you. Thank you. Now, this might be news to some of you. Uh, we do have a building campaign. And if you go and you want to start giving to this building campaign, to the vision that we have, you can go to gracelaredo.org forward slash give. And there's a link there that says building. You can give to that. This is apart from your general giving. This is something if God calls you to give far beyond than what your tithing and giving is. And I got to remind you guys, because I sincerely mean this, every single penny that you guys give in worship with your giving goes to further his kingdom in Laredo. And that's what we're here for. That's what every church that calls themselves, themselves Christian church, needs to be here for the Great Commission. Thank you, guys. I can't wait. If you got your Bibles with you, yeah, keep applauding. Something you got to celebrate. If you got your Bibles with you, please open them up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go uh, through the first 10 verses. We do have Bibles underneath the chair. I really encourage you to open them up, especially if you're not familiar with your Bible. This way you get familiarized with the books, the letters, the epistles in the Bible. So if you're going to grab one underneath your chair, you can find it in page 976. Again, for those of you that are not familiar where this letter written by Paul to the Ephesus church is. Ephesians chapter 2, we are going to have in the verses on the screen behind me. So Paul opens up and he says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank God for his word. Have you guys ever heard that expression, or maybe you've said it yourself, ah, remember the good old days. Ah, the good old days. Those were the days, the days where when I was younger, we used to stay out all day and just play until the sun went down, then we come home. Those were the good old days. Nowadays, we just stay home. Nowadays, the kids are just in their computers and in their whatever those games are called. We are so concerned about our kids' safety. The good old days, we didn't have to worry about that. There was no smart water and all this bottled water. Nambre de la manguera de la casa del vecino. Those were the good old days, right? Seatbelts? Are you kidding me? You know what the seatbelts were in the good old days? Your parents went like this, right? They hit the brakes. Man, those were the good old days. I know a lot of guys that live in the good old days talk about how skinny they used to be while they're eating a donut. Oh, the good old days, I used to be the munching away. Or the good old days, I was a star football player and they're still wearing their varsity letterman jacket. Aye, aye, aye. The good old days. But have you ever heard or said this yourself? I remember the good old days when I was destined to go to hell. Oh, I remember the good old days when I had no life, no hope. I was under God's wrath. I remember the good old days when I was walking dead. Anybody ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Every single one of us, every single person on this earth, before trusting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or who has not trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, is dead is destined to go to hell, is under God's wrath and punishment for sin. It is whoever is not in Christ, he or she is a dead man walking. That's the truth before anyone accepting Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned today, we're starting a new series called The God of Provision, and we're going to be looking in the month of July, the provision that God has given us. And we all know that God is a great provider. He provides our shelter, our clothing, our food, our family. But we're going to go beyond that. And look, how God has purposely provided for you and me and anyone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ for his glory, for walking in his righteousness. God is the great provider of things of this earth, but more importantly, God is the great provider of things that last for eternity. That's what we're going to be looking at at this series, The God of Provision. But today we're going to look at three main things in just the verses that we just read. We're going to go back and look at who we were before Christ, who we used to be, who we are with Christ, who we are now, and what we are called to do in Christ. 
who we were before Christ, our past, who we are with Christ, our present, and what we are called to do in Christ, our purpose. So let's begin. Before Christ, we were all walking away from God. That's who we were. Before Christ, God was here, and we're going the opposite direction, walking away from him. Let's go back and look at verse 1. And you were, past tense, dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, past tense, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, past tense, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Again, Paul is saying right off the bat, every single person on this earth before Christ was a walking dead person. And all of us, all of us were destined for his wrath. All of us was walking away from God. All of us, because of our sin nature, would disobey and buck against God, following our flesh, following Satan. And those that have not, and I'm going to keep emphasizing this, those that have not trusted Jesus Christ are still dead men walking, following the course that's destining, destining them to hell. That's who we were, dead. Now he says we were dead to two things, Paul mentions. We were dead to our trespasses and we were dead to our sins. Two different words. They're both disobedience. But interesting enough, the word trespasses in Greek is paratoma. And paratoma means that you intentionally disobey God. And we all do that. We intentionally disobey God because we have our sin nature. We're dead to our trespasses and we're dead to our sin. Sin in Greek is harmadias, which means to miss the mark. We, all of us, have missed the mark and continue to miss the mark of God's perfection. We are all sinners. We've inherited that sin. No one is without sin. All of us have sin and continue to sin. Romans 3.23 is so clear in this. He says this, Paul, for all have sinned. All means every single one of us without exception except for Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have missed the mark. We all are sinners. You've heard the story. Go back. Go back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2. God created. He spoke things into creation and everything was perfect. He created man and woman. And he told them, you can have of any fruit, any fruit of the garden except for the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And they trespassed against God. They disobeyed and bit from the fruit. And from that moment, 
They were separated from God. From that moment, sin entered this world. From that moment, death entered into this world. And we all have inherited that sin nature. From that moment, the punishment, the wrath of God was destined for every single one of his creation. Sin entered this world through Adam. I love what Paul writes in Romans 5, verse 12. He says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, speaking about Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. All have missed the mark. We're walking away from God. Walking in the desires of our flesh, following the prince of the power of the air, dead. Let me ask you guys, what can a dead person do? It's not a trick question. Nothing. It's helpless, hopeless. Before Christ, all of us were dead helpless, hopeless, not being able to do a single thing for ourselves. We just sung a a very beautiful hymn called Come Thou Font. One of the lyrics we just sung says this, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that true? Every single one of us, because of our sin nature, we are prone to leave the God we love. We are prone to wonder. That's who we were. Walking away from God. But who are we now? Who are we now in Christ? We are wakened by God. No longer walking away like a dead man walking, but now we have been wakened by God. Look with me, verse 4. But God. I love those two words. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up, raised us up from the dead, bringing us back to life is what he's saying with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love this too. What Paul is saying right now, we are positionally in heaven. We're not literally in heaven yet. What Paul is saying, it is a done deal. One day we will be literally sitting with Jesus Christ in heaven because of what he has done for us. Anyone who puts their trust in him. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, in the future, he, talking about God, might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I like to rephrase verse 7 and put it this way. God loves you and me so much that it's going to take eternity for us to even fathom the love he has. For us, think about that. 
Man. Church, let me say this. God is not out to get you. God loves you immensely. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, sacrificed his son for you and for me. Again, that, those two words, but God, I love those words. As a matter of fact, 45 times you see those two words in scripture, but God. You know what those words signify? It signifies everyone's testimony. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ has had a but God moment where you were dead and now because of God's sacrifice through his son Jesus Christ are now awakened by God. But God, I love what James Montgomery Boyce says. He says this, if you understand these two words, but God, they will save your soul. Your soul, I'm sorry. But God. Why? Why did God do this? If we were choosing to walk away from God, why did God choose to save us? And it's right there in verse 4 because of his mercy. He is rich in mercy. And because of his great love, God loves us. Those things, that's why God saved us. He's rich in mercy, and he's full of love. Even, church, even when we're walking away from him, even when we're disobeying him, he still, still loves us. Romans 5.8 makes it very clear. Again, it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, God loves you. When we were dead, when we were walking away from God, when we were following the prince of the air, God saved us. How? How did he save us? Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is the gospel, church. This is it. We've been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. When anybody puts their trust in what Jesus Christ did for them at the cross, not with their head, but with their hearts as well. We've been saved. It is a gift. That's what we say every morning, right? Grace is a gift from God. A gift given to anyone freely, freely, who's willing to accept it. To accept that Christ lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and that was sufficient to pay for the penalty of our sin. The wrath that God had destined to sinners like us was taken away and put at the cross for you and for me. That is the gift if we're willing to receive it. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And by doing so, all of us who have put their trust in Jesus Christ will one day be raised from the dead and be with him in eternity. What a gift. Not by works, it says, so no one may boast. Not by works. Hear me out, church. If you hear a gospel that says you got to do this and then this and then this so you can be good enough, so you can be justified by your obedience, that is not the true gospel. 
We just read that we were dead in our trespasses, correct? And a dead man can't do anything. We can't do anything to merit to work for our salvation. It has been done for us at the cross. The gospel, which we just read right now, we've been saved by grace through faith. It is a gift. A gift given by God because he's rich in mercy. Because he loves us. Who were we before Christ? We're walking away from God. Who are we with Christ? We are awakened. We are alive. We are positioned with him in heaven. What are we called to do in Christ? Work for God. Work for God. That's what we're called to do. Look what verse 10 says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen closely, church. We are not saved by works. We are saved for good works. Big difference. See, a lot of us believe that once we've been saved, that's it. Now we're good. All the work's been done. No. It's only begun. We are saved for a purpose. We are saved to glorify God. Saved for good works. That's what that means. It's not to kick back. See, there's two things we can glean from this verse, verse 10, that God is work in you. We are his workmanship. We, he is not done with us yet. We are continually being sanctified. We are continually being worked on by God. First thing, we are his workmanship. The second thing, he wants to work in us to be able to work through us by our good works. Philippians 6.1 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He's created you and me for good works. We are his workmanship. Again, verse 10 says that which God prepared beforehand. He has prepared you and me beforehand. Now think about this. The God of great provision who's provided everything was at work even before you and I trusted Jesus Christ. The difference is that we were first working for our glory. We were first working for ourselves. As I look back in my life, now I see that God was providing and working through me to be his salesperson. Before Christ, before my but God moment, I was a salesperson wanting to get sales, wanting to get money, wanting to glorify myself, wanting for my business to expand. But God, but God has saved me now. And I look back and I say, thank you for using my skills that you've given me, that now I work for you. And I share the gospel because now I'm a salesperson for God. The God of great provision has been working and continues to work in us even before. But now we need to change our mindset and not work for our glory, but work for his glory. That's what the God of provision is. That's what the God of provision does. Here's my sermon point, and I hope you guys remember this. We are saved from sin, saved for service. Saved from our sin, saved from our, our death. But there's a reason, there's a purpose to serve God, not to serve ourselves.
I love as I was preparing for this, I was reminded of, of the conversion of Paul on the road to Damascus where he had his but God moment. And what God asked the Lord Jesus Christ as soon as he saved, as soon as he realized that he was Lord and Messiah of his life, he says, Lord, what have you have me do? Lord, what can I do for you? I've realized what you've done for me now. You've saved me. What can I do for you? Church, that should be our posture. That's how we should wake up every morning and say, God, you saved me. A dead man walking. No reason to, but you were rich in mercy and love. What shall I do for you? What have you prepared in me to work for you? How can I serve? Imagine, church, if we would start living for God and stop just living for ourselves. Imagine what an impact we would make. We'd have those seven churches like this. Imagine what it looked like if we would just say, God, everything I have, including my life, belongs to you. Let me just give at least 10% back. Instead of holding it but giving it, what an impact we would make. Imagine if we were a church that truly understood that he is worthy of all our praise. He is worthy of all our service. He is worthy of all our lives. That would be a church that would truly make an impact in our community. That's what grace should be about. That's what I want us to be about. Men and women serving God because he has given everything to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are the great provider of all things. As your word says in Matthew 6, you've given us everything we need, the clothing, the food, the shelter. But more importantly, you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I know because of our sinful nature, we just look for the benefit of ourselves. We don't use the gifts, the talents, the resources, not all of them that you've given us to glorify you. Will you convict in me? Will you convict in your church to turn us around, start living for you and not for ourselves, to be selfless because you've given us, given us all. You are so worthy of all our praise, of all our lives, of all that we are. Use us, Father, and let you be glorified. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Love you, church.